You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. going on guys welcome to another episode of peer pleasure with dewey halpus i am dewey your host with the most bringing more great content week after week this week we have the returning jeff jenkins from the incredible band code seven code seven was introduced to me on the radio takeover tour man must have been 2003 i believe that's when we did that with bear versus shark this day forward haste anatomy of a ghost um, and Code 7, I was talked to about by a bunch of people on that tour, and they just so happened to open one of the shows, and I was able to see Jeff perform and sing, and to this day, is one of the best vocalists I have ever experienced live, and one of the best vocalists in my top, top list. Um, he's become a good friend through the show, and this is his second time on. And I'm really happy to have him because Code 7 is back with new music. I think it's been about 20 years. Uh, Go Let It In is the new record out on Equal Vision. It just came out this last Friday. And my God, is it a masterpiece. It is the best thing they have ever done. Um, I text Jeff after I got the record a few weeks ago and was like, dude, this is incredible. Let's get you back on the show. And we made it happen uh, within that week. What an interesting conversation. Jeff is one of the smartest dudes um, I've had on this show, and he's very – his wit is amazing. His little – he's got a way <laughs> of slipping in these hilarious little things uh, into the conversation that got me probably three or four times, and I love chatting with him. For that reason, I love chatting with him 
uh, for his thoughts on music and just life in general. He's just an awesome dude to talk to. Um, and I'm just so glad. I'm so glad the record's out. I'm so glad they did it. And I'm so glad uh, to have him back on because you guys need to check this record out. Go let it in. Every song is a banger. It's incredible. There, I mean, Dan Sanchon and I were talking as I was listening to the record for the first time, calling out the single, um, Hold Tight, the first single. I was like, this is this is perfect. Absolutely perfect. And the videos going along with it, the whole, the whole package. I'm just overjoyed. Um, yeah. So hopefully you guys enjoy this chat. Uh, let's get some business out of the way. And we'll jump right in. Peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peer, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or questions or comments. We also have the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle. We have the YouTube channel and the premium service, which is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. There you get the old videos, the episodes, the past cast, as well as the ad-free feed. So if you want to support this show, that's the best way to do it. Um, and if you want to support the show... In a non-monetarily way, um, monetary way, sorry, um, you can leave us a review or a rating on iTunes. Um, you can leave us a, a rating, a review anywhere you listen to the show. But I believe Spotify and Apple Music are the, or Apple Podcasts rather, are the main spots. So give us, a, take a second and do that for us. That'd be amazing. Tell a friend about the show. Go check out this Code 7 record. Let me know what you think of it. It's making waves. It's awesome. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's get into this one, guys. Here's my part two chat with Jeff Jenkins from Code 7. got it yeah yes all right yeah okay so, so somehow or the other yeah dude Woo! we got it hey we got it i knew we would dude this program is actually awesome i just don't use it much because it's expensive but like the like it's way more than zoom but it records both of us locally two separate tracks on top of video in hd uh and then i have my backup that I record with or whatever, but this thing like stores it all in the cloud. It's pretty incredible uh, versus Zoom, but this actually worked. Streamyard, Streamyard, the wave of the future. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Not too bad. Get my head in frame there. Yeah. Um, How was rehearsal? Yeah, I've just 
Uh, it was great. Uh, we are actually in the process of programming a lot of the things that we want to do live. So hopefully we can have kind of cool light set up with it when we play live. So yeah, okay. we've got about a month until our album release party. So yeah, dude. Oh, I wish the rest of the world has already heard this because uh, it's bitching, fantastic. right? It's so good. Yeah, it's thank so you, Dewey. Good. You you mean the world to me, and your opinion means a lot. So thank you. Oh man, I appreciate that, dude. I I when Dan sent me the record, I I put my AirPods in, and I was in the truck with my son, and we drove way further than we needed to, so I could get through the whole thing because I didn't want to stop. I wanted to listen to it in one shot. And we're texting each other, of course, texting and driving, yes. Uh, I was texting Dan <laughs> instantly when I heard Hold Tight. I was like, this is the single right here. Like, And he's like, we're just talking about a music video for that song. And I was like, dude, called it. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect song. Yeah. Oh, here's the um, weird thing, thanks, though. Man. I didn't get the video. Dan's like, do you do you understand what uh, what video that's an homage to? And I've never seen the faith no more video i've heard the song a million times but i've never yeah. seen the video yeah. so like dude what are you talking about he's like faith no more epic i was like i've never seen that video so i went back and watched it everything like he was talking about because i had no idea i thought it was just completely like just a video like the music video i was like this is great but he's like it's an yeah. homage to yeah. faith no more that's rad. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It was Justin Reich put it together. Mm -hmm. Amazing what he put together in such a short amount of time, but it was really cool. We had a lot of fun on the video shoot. Uh, got to work with a fellow named Barry Davis for that. Uh, he has a place up in uh, Danville, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And apparently the lore about this guy, who's great, he's a great guy. Um, the lore is that he... Uh, is portrayed by Danny McBride in the movie Tropic Thunder. He's okay. an explosives pyrotechnician, yeah. Hollywood special effects guy. And yeah, apparently Danny McBride uh, based his character on this guy, Barry Davis, famous Hollywood uh, special effects kind of fella. So, but yeah, we, we got to, we got to play under a rain machine, which was fun. Uh -huh. um, Matt's drums didn't get wet, which was, cool you can't tell looks like his drums get wet he, he's not gonna let those fancy gretz drums get rained on but yeah. um this rain machine was basically these two tall towers and they just sprinkled down and we got to destroy two keyboards in one day so that's cool we blew up a piano and smashed the hell out of my midi controller i was just like i'm gonna take this thing and break it on set and you can catch a quick uh snap in there of me slamming my mic stand just <laughs> right down on the <laughs> MIDI controller, plastic and water flying everywhere. It's uh -huh. really cool, dude. That's so excellent. I, I love, I love how just mild mannered you are, and all you guys are. But but you have such a presence on stage when you're creating and like emoting. You have such a like almost otherworldly presence to you. But then when we talk, it's just Jeff. Like. It's so cool. It's not like you can turn it on and off necessarily. I don't think it's that way. I think it's you're truly in the moment when it's happening. So when I watch the video, because I haven't seen anything of you guys for so many years. So then watching yeah. you guys live in this video and just your face and like the the movements you're making are so uh, 
perfect for what's happening because all the other guys are so stoic on stage and in the video, which I love. And then yeah. you just have this like otherworldly kind of uh, presence. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Uh, I think last time that you and I talked, we talked a lot about sound and mm -hmm. we did vibrations and it's all about the vibrations. I really appreciate the fact that I can make music with my brothers yeah. uh, and just, you know, bring good vibes. It's what the planet needs right now is some, some good music. So uh, if you're asking me whether or not I can feel it in the moment though, uh, a lot of the times uh, you just try to transport myself to wherever the song uh, originally took me. Mm -hmm. And on this one, it's very cool because I think I'd spent a lot of time in my basement and just kind of really getting into circuit bending and just exploring sound on a, you know, macroscopic level rather than just getting meticulous about one sound that it came time to actually write music with these guys. And we were all obsessed with that. So it was really cool. You know, like we were all obsessed with, uh, how much we can do with, uh, technology to make songs that we would want to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, you know, not that I haven't felt it in the past when we play old stuff live. It's not like I can't feel it then, mm -hmm. but I can definitely feel this new stuff because I wrote it from a point of, I want to be able to emote this live. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to perform this in a, on a regular basis and, you know, still stay connected with the song because the song in the long run is a living being. It's not just one concrete thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that the rest of the guys in Code 7 will have their different opinions about that, but uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's great when we can, uh, they can emote it in the way that they want to uh, and get the same vibrations from it as we felt when we first recorded it or when we first wrote it and recorded it. Yeah, dude, it, it's it's like I told you in the text, like it's it's the best thing you guys have done. Like it, it's, it's staggeringly good. Like uh, I, I want what, so let's jump back for a second. What was the impetus of Code 7 getting back together? Was it Furnace Fest? Um, uh, we're probably riding off a lot of the uh, energy and uh, cohesion that we felt during that trip because that was really good for us to have not been together for a long time. Mm-hmm but still together. And by that Dewey, basically what I mean is like, we're still best friends yeah. and have never been separate. We've never been, you know, a few weeks without talking to each other. Of course, I lived in a different city for a while and didn't chat with them as often. But I mean, since we all lived together in the same city, we were all getting together anyway on the weekends to, you know, for celebrations and to watch sports and stuff like that. So um, the family dynamic definitely came through on this one because James, uh, James is a new father or, you know, his kid's going on a, about three years old, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and John is also a father and his kid is in college right now. So it's kind of cool that, uh, they're able to take time away from their families to, to do our little old band again, you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's been really cool. Our friend Mike Burwanger has been helping us out a lot. He's a musician that we've known just from sports 
on the weekends, you know, like getting together and watching sports and cookouts and stuff like that. So he's a hell of a musician and he's going to be helping us live when we perform this stuff live. Okay. Is he the guy that was in the videos from Furnace Fest, like the ox kind of guy doing yeah. acoustic and, and yeah. keyboard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's Mike. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a really cool experience. I'm happy that we uh, got back together. Uh, but Furnace Fest, yeah, like that was kind of a... We, they knew what to expect when getting involved with me again because how um, maniacal I can be at times. <laughs> but I'm just so happy that we were able to set aside our differences. And, um, yeah, if, if we hadn't wanted to strangle each other before, we definitely wanted to strangle each other just after the album was recorded. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> brothers man now 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 we have the opportunity to uh you know learn uh exactly what it takes to take this to another level like what i mentioned about lights and stuff like that like programming lights and having automation along with our music um i trust that those guys like i said they're my brothers and i trust that they know exactly what they're doing you know what i mean mm -hmm. um matt tuttle our drummers probably, uh, you know, the, the, the basic engine of the entire project, you know, and when he was on board, I was definitely on board. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think I was wholeheartedly on board before, but then I was full throatedly on board. Like, let's go fucking make some kick-ass music together. And, you know, when you see that and your very favorite musicians are also your bandmates, it's a really wonderful thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because I love the style that every single member brings to the band. It's really cool. Yeah. You guys have always had a, such a cool presence to you guys. And and I remember, I know we talked about it last time, but I remember, you know, when I first saw you guys, it was randomly you guys played a show with us. And and uh, this day forward, I forget, somewhere on the East Coast. And Colin kept telling me, you got to check out this band. You got to check out this band. It's the greatest singer I've ever seen. And uh, I was just like, okay, man, okay, you know, and and you guys went on, and I was just kind of like blown away. I was like, R what? Yeah, yeah. And uh, to this day, hopefully, Colin had discovered other fine singers <laughs> at that point. You know, I I can't I can't I'm I'm just stuck on how amazing this this record came out man i it's in my it's in my bones now like i i uh i listened to it again today all on the way to the studio and i listened to it this morning in the truck with my son going to look at the trains and uh i a oh, lot your of son likes trains loves trains we go to the trains every oh, yeah. day every oh, single sweet. day he loves oh, sweet. amtrak's he knows all the different engines he knows all the different companies <laughs> he loves it yeah he, That's so cool. He watches train video. He has train video premieres on YouTube every day that he gets up for. Oh, yeah. Loves it. Uh, oh, that's I, so cool. I watched his reaction when I put on music in the truck because I don't with him. He's he's autistic. So sound to him is different and loud sounds yeah. can scare him. Even though he loves trains, sometimes it's too much. So I don't play a ton yeah. of music in the truck with him. But I put on your guys' stuff. And you can see him just kind of look out the window and kind of get calm, not asking a bunch of questions, not always like pointing at this and that. He just kind of goes into this like relaxed state, even in the big parts. 
it was kind of like a, yeah. it was a cool thing to watch and process that while I'm processing it. Um, and there's only a few bands that really do that with him. And, and that's cool. That record is one that's of them. Cool. And, uh, well, that's cool. Um, I gotta ask you, um, uh, as a parent, uh, you have like the opportunity to play, uh, other things for your kids. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you doing that. And like, uh, what are some of his other favorite bands? Man, he loves post rock stuff. So like he loves there's a band called really? Hammock that are Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh a band called Hammock. Uh, one of the folks from Hammock was on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, Mark yeah, yeah. Bird. He's cool. uh it, so he loves stuff like that. So like uh Nels Fromm, the piano player. Yeah. Um he loves that. He loves um Coed and Cambria a lot. Oh wow. He really likes yeah. them. Um, yeah, he likes, uh, what's the other one we listen to all the time? Um, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, Caspian Caspian's the other oh, one. Oh yeah. And they're friends okay, too. So they're so good. He, he, here's the theory. I think your son may like some of the latter era King Crimson too. Oh, for I sure. Mean, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's some really great prog on there and all those bands yeah. you just mentioned, like have that prog element to them. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It's really cool. Well, send your son my best for sure. I will. I will. That's why I listened to cool. it first in headphones. Cause I was in the truck with him. I didn't know how he'd take it. So I listened to it first and I'm like, God, I gotta, I gotta put this through, like pump this through there. And, and, uh, yeah, man, it's it's uh it's so good, and uh, you were saying you get maniacal. Is that in the studio, like when you're recording? Like, like is that kind of your mo when you're recording? Uh, well, this was a different process altogether. Like, um, I always like to start out with what I'm going to do by uh, uh, basing a lot of it on phonetics. So, what I would do, um place i lived previously was um i had a little basement uh studio basically a workbench with my microphone and my computer set up and tried to map out a lot of these things just by whispering into a microphone rather than getting uh getting elevated uh, as far as volume and and dynamics go just basically uh, phonetically uh whispering out what i would want to do you know what i mean um, and that helped out a lot too, I think in the process of, uh, building a song up from how you're taking breaths in between and, you know, like, uh, learning how to kind of trip up on certain vocals and like where rather than starting on, um, you know, the downbeat, you would start somewhere else in a phrase or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all that, all that came naturally this time around and, um, Matt helped me. Uh, kind of shape it into well what makes this catchy you know um and when we started working together like that it was only uh just like icing on the cake that we got a gentleman named jeremy griffith to uh help with not only mixing but uh vocalizing and yeah jeremy's vocal imprint is all over this album and it's so great because there are some things that he would use um just based on their simplicity he chose a couple of things i was like well i don't necessarily you know for example it may have been a deliverance of a line that that we were recording 
And I may have said something to him like, I don't know if I like that. It's got a little too much me in the inflection. And he's like, no, 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 no. That me that you're talking about is what people really like. Mm -hmm. And that helped me out a lot too, because I was never really sure whether or not it be, I was trying to just be, you know, like completely, uh, mocking somebody else, for example, Peter Gabriel or Josh from Queens of the stone age or somebody like that. I would start to feel myself a little better once Jeremy and Matt pointed that out to me is that like, and once we got that stuff recorded after I kind of recognized that, um, it just kind of, it seemed like the vocals were done, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy we got them recorded the way that we did. Cause like I said, it couldn't have come about if it had not been for Jeremy and Matt to, you know, kind of like point me in the direction of, Hey, just kind of be yourself. Absolutely. Dude, dude. Well, you're part of the sauce. Like you're part of the, like you, it's, it's hard to uh, accept, <laughs> you know, that you're, yeah, it's, it's hard to accept sometimes when you're a humble person that what you're doing is special and, and needed. And I think that's kind of what you're saying there is it, it took you a minute to realize because you are a humble person that, that yes, you are part of this band and the, an important part of this band and what you're doing by emoting through your voice is, is a, you can't have the band without it. And I, I assume it's a hard thing to do being a humble person is to, to say that or, or to, to know that without someone else saying it to you, which is what you're describing. Like it's, they kind of open the door for it to be okay to, okay. Yeah. This needs to be here. And one yeah. thing I really I mean, noticed on this record is, is there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, uh, intense, parts there's a lot of really open parts there's a lot of very simplistic parts and a and some of them weave together into this like rough seas for example like the chorus to rough seas if we can say that i don't know how much has been announced but yeah the chorus to rough yeah. seas is a journey it's not like hold tight right the chorus is is yeah. right there within like 30 seconds but rough seas builds like the chorus, yeah. it's a journey. Like it's it's a it's a movie in itself. Just that chorus part, and then you have the rest yeah. of the song, right? But the yeah. melody choice, like the resolution of melody and all that stuff, is so far away from what I ever would have imagined. You know how you listen to a record, and you've listened to enough records that you start to think you know how it's going to end. Like the chorus, yeah. like you start to hear the chorus. Okay, he's going to go to this. Nope. And then I try again. He's going to nope. And it's perfect. And that kind of stuff Thanks, is what I'm talking about, where the, the, which makes you such a great vocalist is you don't go where you think you're going to go. You make up something completely different and it, and it challenges the listener, but also rewards the listener when they, when they find, when they understand what's happening and really like open up to what you're doing, it kind of opens everybody up. It opens you up, putting it out there. It opens them up as a fan and everyone just kind of is a cohesive unit. And, and that's what's yeah. so cool about what you guys do. And that song in particular, I was like, this is like next level stuff. Jeez, man. I can't thank you enough for that. That's so kind of you. Um, I appreciate that. 
of course. Yeah, I guess I, I guess the uh, the changes, the curveballs. That's all mm-hmm. the Tuttle brothers. Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of guy, uh, you know. I'll give you an example. Like uh, each of us, each band member, kind of like uh, rallied behind one or two songs, of, not necessarily calling the song their song. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you will, my song on the album was a song called Punchline. Mm-hmm. And it's just a straightforward song. And the only, you know, the only variation there being is just, you know, like, I guess Code 7 will probably always have a slower song on an album, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I felt like this is the one that, uh, of all the ones that, all the demos that I submitted to them as far as like uh, more mellow songs mm-hmm. go, this is the one that they picked up on and wrote a completely new piece of music on top of it so it's no longer my song if that makes sense yeah and that happened with all the songs so we're we're stoked you know like um certain certain ideas on the album were you know like poo-pooed at the beginning um but then they turned out to be the most genius ideas that anyone could have imagined just because the heart that was in them you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. um Part, for example, that James um, was really all about. And I just kept telling him, oh, no, that sounds like something else. That sounds like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out to be one of the most magnificent parts in the entire album now because of how it was conveyed and, you know, how much James fought for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and uh, same with each individual member. Each Each individual member has you know, one or more of those, my song demo idea, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, make a long story short, there's tons of stuff in the demo can. As soon as we came off this album, I was like, all right, on to the next, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. I'm already excited for that after hearing this one, man. Good Lord. Well, thank you, man. Like, um, uh, I can't thank you enough. That means so much. Uh, this is only the second podcast I've ever done in my life. So if I, don't know exactly what to do except the first the first bit of advice you ever gave me was look jeff let's just treat it like we're at a coffee shop or something like that and i was like oh i can do that yeah and so i appreciate that and thank you for your kindness and your warmness and yeah i i think that the biggest part about this whole thing for me has been just the fact that equal vision was they were they were so kind to us to allow us to have this opportunity again when we initially said, "Hey, let's do this." You know, mm-hmm. uh, they just put so much um, passion behind what I always thought was really great, which is like Code Seven has maybe just been sort of a forgive the phrase, but word of mouth kind of band mm-hmm. um, for the longest time. That now, um, hopefully, people on a larger scale will be able to enjoy our music as well, because I certainly, you know, like what you said about writing songs, uh, or about your son listening to songs that, um, he really enjoys writing songs for me. There's no Grammy that's going to compare to that feeling of like, for example, James's son was telling me that he liked one of the songs on the album, and that song, you know, like really meant a lot to me. And he said his song, son was singing my lyrics. And I was like, this kid is going on three years old. Mm-hmm. That's worth more than any fucking accolade that uh, any kind of association, uh, 
you know, collective group of people can give you is, mm-hmm. is just the fact that you identified with one person. If you've written that song and that song connected with that one person, mm-hmm. that's the greatest gift ever, you know? So yeah, I can only be, I can only continue to be, um, I, I think the, the biggest part about it for me is that I want to be that kid listening to this, like the first time I ever heard my heroes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, first time I ever heard black Sabbath, first time I ever heard pink Floyd, first time I ever heard queen, mm-hmm. you know, those are the moments that hit a person. First time I ever heard Devo, I was just like, this is what I want to do for the yes. rest of my life. Uh-huh. So yeah, when you have like, um, one person that connects with you, that's great, but I definitely want more than one person to connect with this album. So hopefully it will. It will. Absolutely. And that's one thing to think about. It's kind of interesting to think about it. it. You think of, you think of someone like you idolize someone like a, like a musician, like David Bowie or, or David Gilmore, or, uh, you know, um, Jimi Hendrix. And you're like, man, like sometimes as a kid, you're like, man, I really want what they have. Or like, I, I want to have something like that. The one thing that they can't do is watch themselves as a fan. Like they can't, they'll never do that. They can watch video yeah. and stuff, but they can never be in the crowd watching what they're putting out as a uh, consumer or as a, as a fan. They yeah. can never, no money can buy that. So David Gilmore will never know what it's like to watch Pink Floyd with David Gilmore. Yeah. That's one thing he can't do, but he can sure as hell put out some of the best music ever made. Same thing with you guys. Like the one thing you'll never be able to do is watch Code Seven as a fan, because you're in it. You're part of it, and you have to be there. You know what I mean? Like that's it's an interesting thing to think about. Like you could have the world, but the one thing yeah. you can't do is maybe the most important thing that you do for the world. You'll never get to see it on that level, and maybe it's supposed yeah. to be that way. Maybe that's too much. Um, yeah, if you do see it from this coming from my point of view, if you do see it from this side of the point mm-hmm. of view, um, you always like, oh man, I was too hard on myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like uh, there was a time when um, we were on tour. I think I mentioned this story to you last time we were together, but we were on tour and we played somewhere in New Jersey and it was an awful show. I just like, uh, I was belly aching the entire time. Mm-hmm. I went back to the back of the van you ever seen a grown man cry in a parking lot in the back of a van with a bunch of kids waiting to get into a show and hanging out in the smoking section? Uh, no. And so uh, our manager comes back into the vehicle and he had recorded the show and he's just like, what are you freaking out about? And I was just so hard on myself about it. And I didn't want to talk to anybody. So we get back to the hotel and it was one of those cameras that you can hook up to the television with the RCA cables or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were going to watch the video and I stormed out. I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. And I, moped around the parking lot for like an hour while they watched the video. And, um, subsequently, like, I don't know, like maybe a couple of years later, uh, we were all living in together in a house and oh, our manager's name was John Bambino, by the way. And, uh, he, he's really awesome guy. Um, but he was, uh, recording with us at the time when he was our manager. Uh, and, Somehow or the other, we had ended up in possession of the tape and it had ended up back at the house where the band lived. And late at night, I was around just like 
pilfering through these VHS tapes and I put it in and I immediately recognized the lighting structure. It brought back memories for me when I watched this us on stage and there's like a lighting. So I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a show in New Jersey. And I watched it and it was badass. It was so great. I was just like, wow, you killed it, dude. And that's how you see yourself from this side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you were a little too hard on yourself. So, um, I hope that in my older years, I'm able to forgive myself for those things because mm-hmm. like I had no clue that I was being that hard on myself, you know? Yeah. But it's a great example of that. Like if I am able to like watch videos of myself, I'm a little bit, that's, you know, one thing for me is I tend to be a little harsh and critiquing myself, you know? So it's because you care, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It yeah, means something so. to you. Otherwise you wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the, that's the, the cross to bear as it were is, is caring about something enough that you can get maniacal or get over, um, crit- critical of yourself, you know, it just means you care. It means yeah. you, 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 it, it means something to you that you want yeah. it to be the best, you know, that's, what's so cool yeah, about you guys too, is you're, if you can have that side of things, it doesn't come across to us. You know what I mean? Like it, you just see a natural free flowing performance you cool. don't think about maybe he's thinking he's having a bad show maybe he's hard on himself i wouldn't even put those two together it just looks maybe so he's per- thinking like, about what he's gonna eat yeah, later on yeah. <laughs> maybe he's thinking about what he ate earlier like oh this guy's yeah, set, this set's gotta yeah. end <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, tr- I do try to, uh, Matt put it best. He's just like, if you're going to be on stage, don't be thinking too much about the music, you know, just think about what you're going to be eating later on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That helps. But, um, yeah, but yeah, it's really cool. Um, having this opportunity to do that, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as a person who could otherwise, you know, you know, just be witnessing from a fan's perspective, just only a person who gets to be in the audience, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's something really which special. That's, yeah. That well, I mean, that interact, that entire interaction, as far as human nature goes, you know, uh, COVID was really, really rough on people because they couldn't stand elbow to elbow and, you know, reverence of something that was really, you know, a com- really communal feeling of having live music mm-hmm. around you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when COVID came and it took that away, I think I realized how much I had neglected it and how much I was like, you know, I, I think because I work uh, in a position of, uh, you know, like I work in live entertainment, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I would see shows all the time and, you know, take large crowds of people for granted. And then COVID came along and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was just like, no, this is definitely a palpable perennial human thing to be together in large groups, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, chanting around a a bonfire, if you will, all feeling the same vibes from the same vibrations, you know? Yeah. Tribalism. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that you go ahead. I, yeah, I was just going to say, I don't feel like there's any replacing that. So, yeah. Um, what were you about to say? I was going to say the, the there's a couple things that came from COVID that 
we lost the tribalism in mass quantities, but we gained the new perspective of our individual tribalism with our families and friends that were close of small groups binding together to get through something awful was interesting to see, interesting to experience, interesting to watch children try to reconcile what was going on. Uh, You know, things like that, uh, I think made us all a little bit stronger. Um, So when it got back to the groups, everyone brought their passion, like rekindled for the mass events. The other thing on a selfish level of COVID that was good is Jimmy World did the live stream of Clarity Live. (laughs) That blew my fucking mind. And that's great. I was like, this would not have happened without this situation. So selfishly, and people get mad, I guess, but selfishly, I watch that all the time. That is one of the greatest records of all time. And to see them play it very well recorded perfectly live and i can go to youtube anytime and watch it was yeah. a, was a win <laughs> that's cool uh but but watching everyone on their own strengthen and then come back together i think crowds now are even stronger uh than they were yeah. before because it's been taken away and yeah. now we know what we can what we have something to lose um yeah. and that is one of the most powerful things ever is to to have something to lose because Indeed. that helps people fight harder, work harder. Um, it just it just uh, uh, heightens everything. So yeah, that was also something uh, I never would have expected in our lifetime to see the world shut down and and everything be taken away right in front of you. Like that's just what happened, and it's, the whole world felt it everywhere. It yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. How does so? How did you? How did you handle that situation when everything was taken live, live, your job essentially is gone. How did you get through that time without having music? I cleaned up my basement. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You Um, did. Yeah. uh, Cleaned I'm sorry. That's is the greatest response it's, ever. It's, I cleaned yeah, my basement. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Um, uh, cl- cl- the, the actual amount I cleaned is questionable, probably on my wife's end, but mm-hmm. it was cleaner by the end of COVID. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed uh, the feeling right when we started getting back together. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, like I feel like it's got still, even though it happened a couple of years ago, I feel like it still has a long way to go. Like I've noticed in like ticketing things, you know, people, it's not that they don't buy tickets as much anymore, but like, I think it hit, um, I'm going, I'm not feeling so well, so I'm not going to chance it, or I'm scared that I might not be feeling so well if I go to this particular show, people have had to choose their their live events a little bit more because I think uh, that's just going to take some time. That was like a shock, like a traumatic shock for everyone mm-hmm. to have like, you know, uh, this fear of contracting something. So um, yeah, you know, thankfully um, 
I got into uh, songwriting more and more during that time period. Um, so, you know, I don't, I won't say that it was one of those things where COVID allowed me to explore more of my own music because I've always been writing and recording, but COVID definitely reminded me of things that are actually usable for me musically rather mm -hmm. than just trying to throw everything at a dartboard and see what sticks, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I read a lot during that time period. I read, um, so much just not, you know, fiction literature from the 1800s and, uh, Anthony Trollope and Charles Dickens and Jane Austen and stuff like that. And I was just kind of, you know, biding my time because I think I knew it would come back. I think I knew large groups of people would be able to get back together just because it's something that is so human to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's such a, I mean, think, do we imagine the pleasure that I feel when I think people are going to pay money to come see my band play? And then, you know, imagine, you know, not having that experience. That just seems so unreal. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. uh, it seems so unreal that people would have, I think I lost your video. Yeah, there you are. I think it's so unreal that people would have the opportunity to not take advantage of that while we all can, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Try to get through, like get, get as much in as they can. Are you there? Like, yeah. yeah, I'm here. You see me? What's going on guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. 
You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, Synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. I can't see your video. I think I need to refresh here. Let's see here.
No, it's okay. I can't see your video, but anyway. Oh, you, you can hear me though? Um, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, there we are. Okay. I got you back. That's so weird. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm hardwired. Um, but here. yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't think that uh, people are ever going to be able to live with that. You know, just imagine. Yeah, I, I went to go see Idols right after it was over in Asheville with my wife. Mm -hmm. And that show was just the most glorious show I've ever been to because it was the first time that we were like, we can take our guard down now for like an entire year and a half. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the first time we can actually feel that. And, you know, it's just like, and, you know, in honor of everybody who had just also gone through this traumatic experience, having lost people just to feel like you found people again, you know? Yeah. That was a really good feeling. That was one of the, one of the coolest shows I've ever been to, but, um, yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, getting a chance to get back together and, you know, I don't drink so much, but getting to be around people who are drinking, I almost forgot how much I like drunks. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God. I, that's a, that's a new one, Jeff. I've never heard that said before with someone that works in live entertainment. I actually like drunks. <laughs> yeah. They're some of my best friends. Oh, that's awesome. I've tried to think I, the first band I saw back was Jawbox. Um, oh, wow. At yeah. the Roseland here in Portland. And it was sold out. It was Jawbox and Jawbreaker. And it uh, oh wow, it was sold out. But I could literally spin with my arms out on the floor with it being sold out because they undersold it because of the new the new requirements at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but hearing that was kind of weird. Feeling the kick drum in my heart. That's what I had missed. Like that, just like that. Do, do, do. Like just like line checking before they went on was like, this is what yeah. I was missing. I got goosebumps everywhere. Song hadn't even started yeah. yet. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah. Oh, yes. And uh, that's such a cool feeling. Oh, yeah. So great. And it was an amazing show. It was a great show back. But uh, man, what a what a weird time that was. Um, oh. I can't believe we spent a good 30 minutes talking about it. We all had to live. It's sort of like when you have a dream about work uh -huh. and then you're not getting paid for your dream. You're just like, oh, <laughs> shit, I, I can't log that on my time card. You know, you put in an invoice for it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever well, we're, it making up, we're making up for lost. We're really making up for lost time when we it took me about 45 minutes to get started here. Yeah. But thankfully, we got this program going here. <laughs> Dude, what? Tell me this, Jeff. Like what? lyrically and like overall with this with this record where did where did it come from was there a specific a specific part of life was there is it a whole bunch like i'm really curious on that getting that side of things on where these lyrics and and the overall story if it were uh came from on this for you um you write all the lyrics right yeah okay yeah um, I think fear probably, um, you know, like a, a, a basic human reaction there, there aren't any love songs on here unless they're songs that are about like, you know, um, loving, loving a surreal experience and like treating that like a, a measure of, you know, 
a relationship. Um, but yeah, I think that a lot of it has to do with either fear or just, you know, what do you do? What do you say for somebody who's been away for 20 years and now they come back claiming that they have something to say, you know, like, uh, lyrics that I would have probably not used early on after we first split up, but definitely, you know, there's, there are lyrics on the album that are about how much our band hated each other and fought for each other and, you know, how much we're a family. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, you know, like there are moments that they're, some of the moments have sort of a nautical thing happening, like, uh, really uh, obsessed with the ocean and, you know, like being adrift in the middle of this just vast nothingness and, um, I can't really think of any other themes that we have. The song hold tight is probably the song that I, I would have to say that that song has to do with, um, the first time that I ever experienced silent disco. Um, and like, yeah, like silent disco is like, you know, you get together, um, the, facility where I work, the Ramcat here in Winston-Salem mm-hmm. is a great, great music venue. Um, we have silent disco and it's basically you come there, you pay a ticket, we give you a set of headphones for the night and you can choose between three different DJs and the three different DJs are all playing whatever. And you can be, you know, they're color coded so you can switch to the RF signal mm-hmm. on the blue channel, red channel or green channel. And just it was all about like you know kids showing up for this just because they can be introverts and extroverts i mean it's great to just experience silent disco without a set of headphones you can hear like the sound of pure joy when somebody's belting out i want to dance with somebody by whitney houston or yeah mr brightside by the killers man i gotta tell you dude Middle-aged white women lose their mind for Mr. Brightside by the Killers, dude. <laughs> it's in the Billions Club on Spotify. It's an incredible song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I almost want to take off my underwear when I hear that song. Dude, it's like, this is like, you've created like a group pocket dial. Like yeah. when everything else is continuing except what they think is going on in here, like, that's incredible. Have you sampled some of that sound from those rooms with just, I mean you're just got people dancing and breathing and maybe talking some and singing along. And there's, just... a, there's always the one guy that starts the chorus early and co- tries to commit to it, but then just kind of like <laughs> stops and dances awkward. Like, okay, one more time. Here we go. All right, now hopefully nobody saw that. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and you know, like it's, I, I really feel like these shows that are, um, on, um, you know, the popular shows like The Voice mm-hmm. or whatever, those shows should really just skip all that stuff and just go straight to the silent discos and you'll hear the people with the best voices, mm-hmm. you know? You'll hear who has a singing career ahead of them or who learned how to sing in church and it has just always been great at singing or who, you know, like really does a great impersonation of David Bowie or whoever it may be, you know what I mean? Like, I love that when I get to hear that. That's really cool. It's so interesting. Yeah. So that's what Hold Tight's about is the first time experiencing. Well, it's, I, I, you know, it's about like going uh, two people that are uh-huh. 
young people, young people in love and they're going to this thing and they just don't want to leave because it's cool. Like maybe she's introverted and maybe he's extroverted or vice versa. But just for a moment, they can just be there like eyes closed, just drifting away on these vibrations and who's to say they aren't, you know, connecting, totally connecting, but maybe even listening to two different things, you know, like two different, two of the three different DJs or whatever. I always like it when there's a reggae dub DJ. That always makes it. I do listen to that channel when we have those. I listen yeah. to a lot of that music. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, but you can always tell the reggae dub people they're over mm -hmm. in the corner dancing to themselves, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's what Whole Tight's about. I just kind of, I wanted to have something that sounded, um, something in praise of dancing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know that Code 7's ever had a song that praised dancing, but this is one of those songs, you know, like who doesn't get like really bummed out at the end of the night when you, you can't stay any longer and you have to go home, you know? Yeah. And that's what those lyrics are about in whole tight. So, man, that has a whole nother meaning to me now. Like, that's another song too, and not to dwell on it too long, but like, that's another song to me too, where like the word choice and like the imagery of the word choice, the, the frenetics, like the, the, the phrasing, is all just so right on point. Like it, it's interesting to to, and and the structure too. Where like the you you think like the chorus comes in, and then there's like a post chorus, but the post chorus then becomes the next. Like the, it's so interesting as like an arrangement, and then the whole end of the song, it's like a straight up like, like slow like mosh. Like just like palm muted, distorted guitars, just done it, done it, done it, done It's so just like, but it works, Jeff. That is what's so fucking weird is Thank the stuff you, man. you guys can blend together. Like you could blend together like a chocolate chip tuna cookie sandwich, whatever. Like, and it would be good, and it would make sense. Yet. That's what's yeah, fucked up. Is you could I'm gonna put that together tonight dude, for, for dinner. Literally, like like dip half the cookie in tuna juice and eat it, <laughs> and it would and you'd ask for another one. Like that's how I would I describe would, yeah. code seven. Because you guys can push these things together and it's not even it's not forced, it's not uh like it's not for anything else but what the art is. And and uh, yeah, fuck man. There's a few songs on here that that I'm just like, what? but I wouldn't have Thank it any you, other way, you know? And, and, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, that is a whole nother meaning to me now, but, um, like, yeah, I think there's probably like, you know, just a lot of, a lot of songs about living in the moment, a mm -hmm. lot of songs about fear, maybe a couple of songs about floating around in the ocean. Um, the very first song that we wrote for the album was called hush then a riot. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it may surprise you to know, Dewey. I'm going to let you know a little secret here. Okay. Um, Matt and I uh, started an inside joke uh, for the purpose of just to see how long we could get away with doing this. So on our demos, rather than naming something John's song number two or James' idea number two or, you know, what I started doing was naming the songs after Tom Hanks movies. And Matt was the first to catch on. 
And so we actually were going to call the song that's called A Hushed in a Riot. We were originally, it was originally written as Lady Killers, but just decided we were not going to call it Lady Killers anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, for that little trivioid there, uh, Punchline and Mazes and Monsters are both Tom Hanks movies. Man. Mazes and Monsters is also another jam, dude. Like, yeah. Oh, that, that's I think that one was of the Tom Hanks' too. first movie. Mazes and Monsters? And Punch, yeah, and Punchline was a movie he was in with Sally Fields. So. Oh, man. Before or after Forrest Gump? This must have been before Forrest Gump. It was before Forrest Gump, yeah. Okay. I've never heard of either yeah, of those movies. Matt, and I love caught on when there was, Matt caught on when there was a demo idea called The Burbs. And then one right after that called the money pit. <laughs> Matt caught on. <laughs> oh, no one's gotten to think, uh, turn no, hooch. No, I think he, I was no, no, no. I think he sent one right back that a demo idea that was called the Polar Express, and I was like, no, that doesn't count. That wasn't really Tom Hanks. <laughs> that was animated. That was just his voice. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I mean, like, um, that was the first song we ever wrote. I think once we had that song under our belt, we were like, okay, let's try to figure out how we could do this. And then from that point, it was straight up fist fighting and wrestling on the floor for the next year or so. Mm-hmm. And flashback to May of this year, we were ready to take it to Jeremy and have it recorded or have it mixed and, you know, retract the vocals and things like that. So. That was a great experience. Like I said, Jeremy was, he was a magical entity uh, Mm -hmm. that lives in the great state of Florida. And we were able to go down and record and it was so much fun. So how do you track vocals, Jeff? Like what is your, what does your vocal booth look like when you track vocals? I'm curious. Do you have something you've done since the beginning? Is it brand new this time? Like do you have an iPad in um, front of you, notebook, or is it just you in a room? I'm curious because this, the stuff you this, put out is this, insane. Thanks, man. This was uh, completely new. Um, I got a computer. I think I was anti-computer for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, just because I wanted to have like a mini hard disk with me or a four-track recorder and didn't really want to use the interfaces uh, as a uh, as my means of writing a good song, Mm -hmm. you should be able to just set up a cassette tape and press record. If you've got a quality song, it should be there. Mm -hmm. And I think I was like, yeah, you know, you can, and I've always, you know, I've always sort of just been like, um, allow the sounds and, and the, the noises that I make to guide the way as far as like, coming up with a song from scratch, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always a core melody at the heart of it. It'll have to be a hook or a, you know, a simple phrase that I'm repeating in my head. Or, I mean, it could even be just like a, like a sample of a drum jazz kit or something like that, that will inspire something and just take a whole new shape. So, um, when doing uh, vocal lines, I tend to treat the the lyrics the same way. Mm-hmm. A lot of recycling lyrics, a lot of, I've used this word here, but it also fits here. And I think it should, you know, like that's, that, that it tends to define a vocalist if they were using same, the same sort of like a demeanor or uh, inflections in their voice during an era. 
So you won't hear any of the rescue era stuff on this album, but you will hear, you know, a few of the dancing echoes inflections on this album. Mm -hmm. But then again, you may hear things as far back musically as division of labor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, but once I reached a point with my, my, you know, my vocal abilities to just like be comfortable enough in my own voice to listen to myself sing, I guess I just started to write from that point rather than let me see if I can scream something out mm-hmm. full throatedly. And it just never came about for me that way. I had to have a moment like a turnaround in a song that would inspire the lyrics. So in that way, a lot of the lyrics were written um, with a few songs for uh, are an exception, but a lot of the ri- lyrics were written shortly after the songs were completed and written. And then, they would take the song back, reform the song a little bit more. I would reform the song a little bit and send it back to them until finally we're like, I think we're all ready to record with all the songs. Mm-hmm. And we got together and played them and it sounded great. And, you know, really made us feel like we were doing an actual album, you know, once, once we set ourselves a deadline, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I got a, a question for you here is, is you said a lot of the albums about fear whether it's fear of you know anything like can we make this record work uh is there going to be live music in the future will this come back um when you're writing from a space of fear and you've completed the song you've completed like and you're in rehearsal it's recorded does that does that song take you back to that fear or is that fear gone i yeah, I think because of the way that the songs are written, there's a there's a price I paid early. Mm-hmm. When I wrote the song, I felt like I could write it from a point of fear, but from now on I'm going to sing it from this just purely joyful station in life. Like, yes, we all made it. Mm-hmm. You know, like um so yeah, that's um because I, you know, I don't want to be pensive on stage. Nobody, I don't want to be pensive in people's minds. Mm -hmm. I want people to feel the joy, you know, I don't want to give them any worry. And so, uh, a lot of the, the conquering the fear, um, you know, kind of makes sense that you would sing, you know, like if you get nervous, you hum a little tune. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, in that way, this is just me responding to that in a lot of ways. So. Gotcha. So it's like the, the words describe the feeling, but the melody carries you in a different direction, carries you to the the finish line, yeah. sort of like keeps you, yeah. keeps you uplifted while you process the, the fear doesn't always have to be negative either. I wouldn't say negative, but like just the, the darker side of things or the more stressful t- side of things with a beautiful melody. Yeah. I feel like this record too, going from dancing echoes to this, like as, as like a progression, I feel like a lot of these like i feel like on dancing echoes there was a lot that was left like not quite like the the um there was a little bit left to desire as far as like i wish that went one more line or i wish that went one more bar cuz it's so yeah. good but it but it it didn't give everything which was also great about it 
on Dancing Echoes because it did give that little bit of like, oh man, I wish you'd do it one more time, but it made you want it more, right? And this one just gives you like that and more, but also takes you to a whole nother realm. So I think it's a really good progression from Dancing Echoes into like this opus of a of a record, which like I said, gives you so much more than that too, but it also puts you in place for something else to come next. Like it's just all yeah. part of the road. And this is a really good street. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is a really good stretch yeah. of mountains that are gorgeous. Like, and then what's next? Who knows? But, uh, God damn. Yeah. I, I, I look back at a lot of stuff that I wrote early on, uh, lyrically. And I think about how, um, I wasn't really mad, but it was the genre of music. You kind of had to be mad about something. Mm-hmm. And this time around, maybe I was a little more mad. I think this album, I'm more mad than I've ever been. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I'm no longer an angry young man. Uh, I'm just a grumpy old guy screaming into a microphone, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was one of the things when we did a show last year for our good friend, John Rivera, who passed away. We reformed uh, as the lineup that we had on Division of Labor with uh, mm-hmm. David Owen mm-hmm. and performed. And um, a lot of that was drawn from me not knowing exactly uh, exactly how I'm going to proceed as a vocalist. Am I ever going to scream again? Uh, I don't look at vocals like I used to in that way. Like... I think I should be able to scream and sing a little bit too, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've never stopped writing angry things or, you know, aggressive vocal things. It's just with code seven, you get something a little different, a little more mellow, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more to um, digest though with code seven where, but like you're saying, coming up with lyrics and, and, and melody and thing like that, frenetically whispering them. A lot of people that scream do the same thing because it's rhythmic. Yeah. And just like, yeah. you know, like it's all like false voice. Um, it's interesting you approach it that same way because it's it's yeah almost like being a bass player, like locking in with the kick drum. Like it's, it's well cool. to to be one hundred percent honest and full disclosure here. I was whispering because my wife has to work, and I was usually <laughs> up at night. Perfect. Um, so. <laughs> So a lot of, yeah, I'm, that's total honesty there. No, but um, it, it but gave yeah. way to something great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't let her retire um, from that job until you're done with music because yeah, yeah, it yeah, gets yeah. your best output. <laughs> uh, she's amazing. She's, um, we, uh, we just got a new cat. Um, our beloved cat, Maisie, uh, who is survived by her brother, Io. She passed away in March. And we just got Delia, who is a wild cat. She's like six months old mm. and she's a brilliant beast, but she's keeping us on her toes. And um, my wife and I have pure joy with these two cats. We don't have any children, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if kids are anything like cats, man, kids must be a real handful. <laughs> well, cats, cats kind of come knowing, uh, kind of take care of themselves a little bit more than kids <laughs> they clean themselves <laughs> they shit in a box you don't have to show them where it is really they just figure it out like it's uh 
Yeah. They don't always shit in the box. A, they don't true. always shit in the box. That's true. <laughs> Less hair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Jeff, dude, I, I, uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on too, where you talked about being in the middle of the ocean and, and, and loving the ocean. Uh, do you, the ocean terrifies me to, to a degree just because like there's things I see, like even in the daytime, like a beautiful summer day, we have a river spot on the, on the Columbia river out here. And there's those giant like tanker, tr- tanker, uh, ships, like the, the container ships that just mm-hmm. sit in the river or in the ocean, completely motionless, just this like eerie, stoic, motionless, like what it what could be going on in there like what it it terrifies me like just the the not knowing it's it's some weird i've always had where i'll look at a ship that's just sitting there and we'll come back like two days later it's still just sitting there but it's so massive but the ocean seems to have no effect on it there's all this stuff like uh being picturing being out in the middle of the ocean uh in the middle of the night just alone would terrify me just because there's just like, where do you go from there? Like you're literally at the mercy of just this motion of water, but also you're probably able to see every star in the sky and realize how small you are and insignificant. I think that terrifies me because you, you're forced to, you're forced to hear your own thoughts and you're forced to realize your space in this world that you can't create yourself like you can in society. Like you can be yeah. who you want here, but you are who you are there. I think that idea on a deeper level terrifies me of the ocean in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that resonates with you, but uh, when you said that, I was just like in my head, I was like, Oh, that would inspire some cool. Moody yeah. That's, music. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, the idea of a, a massive, man-made structure just towering over everything and mm-hmm. ominously not moving but in a moving body of water you know in an ever-changing yeah. body of water really yeah. spooky yeah um are you are you a fan of northwestern lore such as uh, uh bigfoot sightings and ufo sightings along the columbia river are you do you keep up with that stuff dude i i am and and that's one thing when the it's government came out and said that everything pretty much exists and no one seemed yeah. to care was the weirdest thing to me to watch online. It was like, why is no one like, no, it's like it just happened and it didn't matter. Like, yeah, we know, man, it was so weird to me. Um, but there's a lot of Northwest lore. Um, yeah, I don't follow it per I'll, se, but I am aware of it. And some of it terrifies me. Uh, you know, it's re- it's really strange um, that that weirded you out so bad because I always, I swear, I always said something like, maybe it's something that I heard a long time ago. I was like, yeah, if if there's ever an announcement from world superpowers on whether or not this stuff is actually real, it's going to happen on a Tuesday afternoon and nobody's going to pay attention to it. And like literally after all that, I was just like uh, at work and I was just like, hey, uh, UFOs, they're real. Aliens are real. And immediately following that, I said, but have you seen the new Barbie movie? 
<laughs> you know, so not everybody, not everybody needs to have it invade their reality is my point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that's the reason why I used to, I used to talk about UFOs and aliens a lot. And I know I mentioned this in the last podcast that we had, it's not my responsibility to push UFOs or their reality in people's faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just something that we've lived with for so long. This idea that, of the ever-growing number of Earth-like planets in our own neighborhood, why we would have imagined that we would be the only uh, planet to sustain and cultivate life to a point of where it could become a civilization. Mm -hmm. The numbers are just too great to say that we would, uh, even in our own urban area of the Milky Way be alone is a ridiculous thought, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, just mathematically doesn't make sense uh, that we would be alone, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but I can't say one way or the other. I just know what I've seen. I've seen uh, along with the guys in Code 7, a lot of UFOs over the years and something that happened at parties is, you know, like, Oh, this is kind of a cool thing. Everybody sees this UFO. We're all at a party together. And then thankfully, within five minutes, everyone returns to this mundane conversation about the new Barbie movie mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, or, uh, you know, basically that's, that's just kind of a human mechanism, maybe a coping mechanism. And I won't say that it's my responsibility to push it any further. You know, mm-hmm. like, let's talk about the new Barbie movie instead of this, because um, it only tends to complicate things. Trust me, I've had to deal with it for a long time. And if you're having a UFO sighting with me, uh, it's important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's important for us both. But like, it's not up to me to determine how you as a person process that, you know, I only know how I've processed it. So, yeah. I would love to, I would love to discuss your, uh, experiences with that, not on podcast, not on microphone, but at some point I would love to hear your stories of that because, um, like we said last time, like it's not something you'd want to talk about without the people that were there with you to be there a part of it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. But. Here's the deal. I I I, I host uh, something every Halloween. Uh, it's like a local thing. It's just called Paranormal Night, mm-hmm. Paranormal Stories Night, whatever it is. And it's just that I ask people to get together and share their stories and on on an open mic kind of thing. And I've gathered so many friends that I've learned so much about uh, who have told the most unreal stories but they are real mm-hmm. and that's kind of my thing is like if you're sharing a story i want it to be true you know like i wanted you to share your story and i want to have it presented in front of a group of uh, paranormal enthusiasts because i think it's important that idea of storytelling is always we've always got our news through storing tell, storytelling mm-hmm. and what could be more what could be more newsworthy than this cu- cutting edge scientific idea that you know, somehow or the other people do have souls that live beyond the dead. Somehow or the other Bigfoot does exist. Somehow or the other Loch Ness monster is real. Somehow or the other Mothman exists. Somehow or the other little green men exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important if that's like 
part of who you are to share that and say, Hey, I had this experience, you know, I had a ghost come into my room when I was a little kid and it fucked me up, you know? Mm -hmm. And the people that you're presenting that story to you, that the people that you're presenting it to absolutely support you. And it's the best event ever when people are in the back, like, you know, people who are a little too, um, uh, reserved to get up and share their own story when they mm. stand up or they, they hold up their hand. Like I've seen that same thing that you're talking about, that light that came into your room. I've seen mm. that. That's such a validating thing. And, and that's happened at least once or twice. Every time we've done one of these is it'll inspire somebody else to get up and share their story. Mm-hmm. And first couple of years we did it, I had to share a couple of my stories just because I thought it was important to talk and get people to drum up interest and get people interested in coming up and sharing their own story. Yeah. And, you know, asking close friends, asking, you know, asking the guys in the band to come up and share a story. They've Mm -hmm. been so supportive of it too. They, they, um, they were all at my last one. It was really great, but, um, it's just important for people to, you know, share these stories. And, Mm -hmm. uh, this year I didn't share as many of mine and it was so great because I got to hear so many cool stories, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I'm, as the moderator of this event, I'm going to be the only skeptic. I'm going to ask you questions about your story that are harsh, real questions. I'm not just going to eat it up and believe every word that you say. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to question you about your story, Yeah, which is great because I'm the biggest believer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of course, I believe your story. Of course, I believe you had this experience and now, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're telling it whether or not that be through the idea, you know, sometimes the idea is that a story or recalling an event can become more of a process of retelling the story mm-hmm. rather than the event itself. Mm-hmm. And that's what I ask people to avoid. I'm just like, if you just overlook that idea, don't embellish anything. Tell me where you were. Tell me, I'll ask you questions like what time of the day was this or had you had anything to eat that night that would have disagreed with your stomach or, you know, just silly stuff like that. Like, is your house fully electrically wired? Do you have good electrical wiring in your house? Because, you know, bad electrical wiring can make you feel paranoid or Mm -hmm. you say you saw a UFO come up over the hill. Well, do you live near an airport? Is there an airport on the other side of that hill? Mm -hmm. Questions like that, which validate the person's experience because it makes the person believe themselves more and I think it, you can get a lot more information about it because it'll sometimes somehow or the other dredge up more stories and more detail and more, uh, more revelations that they never processed maybe. Mm-hmm. So, and that's always great because it's always a camaraderie thing, you know, like at the end of the night, we're all just like still sharing stories. Even after I cut the mic, uh, we're all just like hanging out and telling stories. And ever since I was a kid, I was fascinated with that kind of thing. So. Yeah, you know, dude, it's it, I, I had um, I had Tom DeLong on, uh, who's been pretty outspoken about UFOs and things like that over the years. Yeah, and he was telling me about a pyramid underneath Valdez, Alaska, that I just got an email the other day from a guy who heard that. I don't know if he was already researching it, but he made a YouTube video about it because Tom put the coordinates of this pyramid in the last scene of his movie on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. like an easter egg and they looked it up Mm -hmm. and they're talking about this pyramid that is basically been activated and is the the idea is that it's suppressing human consciousness 
and like with energy, it's super fascinating. Uh, I just started looking into it this morning when I got the email from the guy that's saying, Hey, I heard him talk about this on your episode. Here's the link to my video. Fascinating stuff. Uh, especially yeah. growing up in Alaska, like I had never heard anything about this until Tom mentioned yeah. it to me. And I'm like, what? He's like, dude, look it up. Yeah. Like, okay. And I looked up, I was like, holy shit. Um, my mind is just open as I get older. My mind is just open to so many more things than it was when I was younger. I was just like, oh, that's bullshit. Or yeah, I've never experienced that kind of, you know, I'm very, and doing the podcast for seven years, very open to people's ideas and, and experiences a lot more than I ever was, which is kind of a blessing I feel because yeah. it's just, you just receptive all the time. You're always listening. You're always thinking, uh, and you learn so much from all these, yeah. like these conversations with you. I always learn something like, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great gift, but, um, there's stuff like that, that I've been looking into further. And it's just like, wow, this is fascinating stuff. Like, things I couldn't even make up in my head if I wanted to, you know, yeah. like, wh- like what, um, you know, it's weird. Like, yeah, the, the, um, the, the idea that they don't, they don't want us to know is really a ridiculous idea for me because we have always kind of known, you know what I mean? We, I feel mm-hmm. like we've always kind of, uh, felt energies, um, uh, maybe Western culture came along and kind of like reshaped the way that we see things that are ethereal and, Mm -hmm. you know, like these, um, these mystical things that we've always lived with. Then, um, you know, just throughout the history of mankind, the things that we've coexisted with, uh, just somehow or the other been, uh, made, we've been made blind to it by Western culture. So, uh, and maybe, you know, organized religion had something to do with that, mm. but it's definitely changed the way that humankind actually allows these things into their heart and recognizes that something that is from the beyond is actually not so far beyond, you know, what we are. Mm. Uh, if, you know, like for example, uh, if people have always seen their ancestors come back to them to check in on them or to say, hi, that's always been a thing people through history and all cultures have always also seen these little things that um, are elf-like in appearance. You know, those are are tropes through humanity. They've always existed. You know, there's always been a tall, hairy creature that lives out in the woods that everybody's scared of. Mm -hmm. So I think now that we're starting to uh, make it a, a sort of a, collective thought is that this is real then i'm interesting to see where that goes because science won't uh science won't react very well mm-hmm. and religion won't react very well to that mm-hmm. to this idea that yes all these things that we've been saying uh, weren't real are real it just it's it's going to be a bizarre experience to see it unfolding in my lifetime but then again you know I'm getting old, you know what I mean? Like I never thought that I'd see the day where marijuana would be so highly recognized as a harmless, uh, beneficial, you know, substance, Mm -hmm. but now it is. So maybe someday, you know, I used to get really kind of, I was like, oh yeah, that's sticking it to the man. Anytime I would see something that was alien workshop, I'd be like, yeah, there's an alien head because aliens are real and they know that I know. (laughs) And now it's just become sort of like, 
Uh, it's always one of my favorite questions. Okay, I got to ask you this. <clears throat> what was the first time you ever saw the alien head? Like that alien, that representative of an alien. Uh -huh. I can almost guess what it was. Can I guess what it was? You can. Uh, the first time you ever saw the image the of the first time I ever eyes. saw it. Yeah. Was it Whitley Strieber's Communion? No. The book cover? No. What was it? It was the alien workshop on the skateboards. Really? That was the first time. I grew up, dude, I grew up Mormon. I had okay. so yeah. many things I didn't see until way later. Alien workshop where the guy's shaking the hand with the alien on the skateboard. Yeah. That's the first time okay. I yeah. saw that. I never watched alien movies or anything like that. So that was yeah. legitimately, and I was, God, I must have been 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny because there's a, a large group of people um, that recognize it immediately. Um, and I think you know the what I'm talking about, the Whitley Strieber's Communion, the book cover of that, you mm -hmm. know, like with the gray alien face. Mm -hmm. And then that same image was used on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, which for mainstream culture hadn't seen that on tele like network television. They'd only heard descriptions of them. And like mm -hmm. it's that same painting that's been done for the book cover of Whitley Strieber's Communion. And I think that's so funny because now it's just like, I mean, you think of an icon of a raccoon's face or a cat's face or, you know, the, the, it's now an emoji, mm -hmm. <laughs> literally, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? In, in, yeah. in our, in our consciousness. So that's weird for me to process, you know, not mm -hmm. saying knowing what I know, but knowing what I know about like, uh, you know, the way that humankind has always known about these things. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how science and religion react over the next couple of years. So that's one thing you said that was really interesting is to see how science and religion will react. Cause science it's, it, it's almost can be interesting because science religion go, you know, against each other. But what happens when you find a common enemy or a common, you know, like something you both don't understand and could explain, maybe they'll bind together who knows, but the, but seeing science and religion both, have something that they can't deal with would be interesting because they're both trying to disprove each other. And, yeah. you know, I it's think they're also, I think they're also both slowly trying to back up and say, Hey, you know, we always kind of knew, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, you know, think about how much we've discovered over the past couple of years or uh, if, if it's on the, um, I'll say at least the Western religions kind of spectrum. Mm -hmm. Think of how God's great universe has so much room for so many more. God's love extends beyond the planet Earth. And science tells you, oh, yeah, well, you know, we've just recently discovered so many more planets in our neighborhood here that are totally able to harbor life. Um, so, yeah, there might be a lot of that happening in the next couple of years, but I can't say one way or the other. I mean, it mm -hmm. may just flip flop and people are just like... Um, Oh, I don't believe in that. I can't see it. It's not my, you know, excuse the phrase, but like, you know, that kind of backwoods mentality that seems to be just incredibly prevalent in modern culture mm -hmm. of like, I don't believe it until I see it with my own eyes. Well, I don't, I, you know, that can't control what you see with your own eyes. I mm -hmm. can just tell you like, you know, there's a little more out there than you're expecting. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it, it it might actually be something where we turn on the the news and see a UFO hovering over Los Angeles. But the point is, is I've already seen that UFO hovering over Los Angeles. And I, I don't know how other people haven't, 
because I know that they have, it's just how they're going to process it. Like I said, you know, you can process that from a perspective of, I'd like to see this as on a pure level of science and physics and what we know about these orbs that fly around that can defy gravity or whatever. And to see how religion reacts to these things, you know, like what if they're malicious, you know, I don't, I, you know, like, so you'll always have somebody like, you know, down with the aliens, down with the aliens that that's always going to, you know, like <laughs> nobody's going to be looking out for these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely so not. Why, why would they, why would they want to have anything to do with us? You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, they know that already, dude. It's yeah. such an interesting thing. I have fire in the sky used to terrify me as a kid, like as a teenager. That was one of the first times that you saw oh, something that was, yeah, like, that was a very vivid encounter for me too, because for the first time I was just like, wait a minute, you know, like mm -hmm. this is a metaphysical, metaphysical experience that happened to this person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I heard uh, that even toward the end, like the sheriff in the town where Travis Walton lived came out and said, uh, yeah, they, they didn't want me to say anything, but he was on his deathbed and he was just like, yeah, I totally had to, lie for you know high-ranking military officials that you know threatened me and threatened my family they made me tell this story didn't that didn't happen you know what i mean mm -hmm. like um therefore validating travis walton's story but it was on his deathbed i think it probably didn't make nightly news and yeah there, there you go so have you heard his his joe rogan appearance no no oh my god i i, I yeah i haven't um really uh kept up with him i'll have to send it to you it's one of the best like he goes through his entire i mean it's 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 wild to hear him so many years later telling the story and and talking about it and talking about what happened what he had what he couldn't couldn't do like all this stuff is super interesting it took me a second because i didn't remember his name and i was yeah. listening to it and i was like this is fire in the sky oh my god this is the guy yeah it's pretty fascinating to listen to um I'll send you the link to it. Um, it's, it's, it's a little ways back, but, uh, I think you'll probably enjoy some of it and, and may, uh, uh, get something from it. But, um, I don't listen to a ton of his podcast, but that one just came on and that was super interesting. And I think I saw it in like a YouTube short or something and mm -hmm. went and checked it out and, and it's, it's good. Um, it's good. It's, it's interesting listening to him tell this thing that this, this movie that made from a book that terrified me to no end and what was different in the movie that wasn't actually part of the book and what got changed and that side of things yeah. is also cool to hear in his own words um, yeah the, yeah that's that's fascinating man just so you know you are i thought you were the only podcast uh, you're trying to this other guy this joe guy's got a podcast too <laughs> yeah yeah he's coming up okay he's coming up in All the world right. comedian this uh this form of media seems to be working out. You should get yeah. in. Uh, you're getting in at the ground level here. Yeah, I so, gotta get Spotify uh, on board. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where's my hundred million? Uh, yeah, yeah. Christ. I mean, uh, what's funny is that, like, you know, like telling a uh, telling that personal of a story is just got to shred Travis Walton to the point of mm. you know so far beyond belief. Anytime he has to share something that is that traumatic, mm -hmm. but I mean. It's also important that we're trying to uh, reckon with it. You yeah. know what I mean? But by, by retelling the story, you can somehow 
part of your brain that needs to rationalize it can rationalize it. And the part of your brain that needs to process it and think on it and ask more questions can do that too, you know? Yeah. And the only way to do that is by keeping the story alive, you know? And watching so, yeah, people's reactions to saying it too. Like when you're watching, like, yeah. am I, am I out of my mind here? How he's reacting to this? As I'm saying these things, like you're kind of looking for some, not validation, but like a just basic human acceptance to what you're saying. Yeah. It's not being yeah. uh, a falsehood, but my God, it's a good one. I'll send you the link to it. But uh, dude, Jeff, this has been awesome, man. I've, I love these conversations with you. Like uh, I always learn something. I always look forward to it. Like this, this, like, um, man, I told Dan today, I got Jenkins on this afternoon. He's like, Oh shit. You have to tell me how it goes. I was like, dude, it's going to be awesome. Like it's Jeff. Like this is going to be great. Like he's well, so, he's such a champion for you guys as am I. And, and yeah, Dan has been a gem and the whole team at equal vision has just been magnificent. Um, it's a pleasure to be on here with you because you got this idea that, like I said earlier, you know, just pretend like you're just hanging out with somebody. So I want you to come is, to man. North Carolina you you bring your family to North Carolina and come, come vacation with us out here. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. dude. And we don't have yeah. to have any mics on. We can just talk. Yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it. <laughs> this is the the one weird thing about this is it is natural thing, but we do have microphones in front of us and it's, you know, it's scheduled and all this stuff. But like, it just feels exactly like that. And that's all it is, man. This one guy, one guy taught me I'm in construction. So like, you know, I'm having to, to rig up this massive, you know, uh, pipe, you know, the size of someone's, you know, uh, garage and get it into place somewhere. And I'm freaking out on how to do this. And he just said, dude, it's just a two by four. I said, what? <laughs> He's like, it's just a two by four. It, a two by four operates exactly the same as that does. You put the, the, put <laughs> the rigging in the same spot. Physics is exactly the same. It's just a little bigger. It's just a two by four. And yep. I've never forgotten that. And just keeping things simple like not overthinking it. And that's exactly what this is. It's a two by four. Like it's a conversation between two people. There's no agenda. It's just basic human interaction. And sometimes that terrifies people. Sometimes that terrifies me, yeah. but that's the only way I can look it at shouldn't. it and do it. No matter everybody puts their pants on the same way. Some people put their pants on real weird, but they still put their pants on the same way. Mm -hmm. So, um, absolutely. Right. But yeah, like, uh, you should never feel that you can't talk to somebody on a basic human level. Yeah. That's um, the fun of this. You, you, yeah. Uh, one of the things that you said about just like having a natural conversation, it totally reminded me, um, I had a tree taken down in my front yard. Um, Matt, the drummer in code seven is my landlord, but, mm -hmm. um, Matt had the, the tree taken down and, um, the guy was up there with the crane and they had the, the guy was just like monkeying around, like adjusting his, his hoists and like climbing up and down a rope, swinging down and around. And they had this shredder going the whole time. So you got a guy in the crane operating the crane on the radio with the guy who's up in the tree. Mm -hmm. And man, the, you know, the, the shredder was just so loud. I came out and stood in my front yard and I'm like watching these guys. I'm like, yeah, he's totally telling him to like move it a little bit to the left there. Yeah, I can see them like that. I can see them chattering, but I couldn't hear what they were saying. And then the the shredder cut off and the guy that was up in the tree goes, no, not even whole milk. And I was just like, these dudes are just having a normal conversation. <laughs> and the dude is like deathifying. Like yeah. he's talking to him about like, you know, lactose intolerance or something like that. Like instead of talking to him about like the process of taking down this tree, which was, you know, just like delicately hanging over my house. So. Uh-huh. 
but yeah, I guess he's so good at it and you're so good at talking, you know, you can have these, these good conversations. Dude, I appreciate that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. That's hilarious. I, yeah, I do. I appreciate this so much, the time and, and effort and putting out just a fucking banger of a record that the world is going to hear soon enough. And they're going to agree with me and we'll be seeing you at the fucking Moda center eventually, uh, yeah. headlining over, um, We'll get you on tour with Blink-182 and you and Tom can have conversations that way too. See, pick his brain. But uh, yeah, dude, uh, thank you so much for doing this. And Thank uh, you, man. It was so great reconnecting with you on this. And and uh, yeah, hopefully you guys are going to come to the West Coast because I, I really- We I, will. Awesome. We will. I will be there. We will. I will be there with okay. the bells on and I look forward to it very much. But um, I'll let you get back right, to your evening. Set your uh, Send your family my best, okay? Will do. Will do. Cool. Same to you, Jeff. Right. And send the boys my yeah. love and and uh and and yeah. I just I'm so I'm so happy for you and, and it's such a cool place in life to be and and you're doing it, man. Love it. Love it. Thanks, dude. All right, Jeff. All right, have a good night. You too. See ya. Bye, buddy. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jeff Jenkins from Code Seven. An amazing dude, a great friend, a fantastic singer, lyricist, uh lover of the paranormal. And, uh, yeah, we got into it a little bit there, but there's a lot more to it. Um, so definitely if you're in his area, check out those paranormal nights he does. Um, if you're not in his area, go check out that fucking record. Go let it in by code seven on equal vision records out. Now it will make your weekend. It'll make your day sit with it. Let it, let it simmer. Listen a couple times. The first listen's great, but you just start to find more and more things. The more you listen to it. And I love records like that. So by far, the best thing Code 7 has ever made to date has just happened. And it's incredible that 20 years can pass and you can put out your best work at that point. Because the rest of the catalog is fantastic. Don't get me wrong there. But the growth and and technicality and, and uh, the I mean, the, the melody, the everything about it is just false. So go check out Go Let It In by Code 7, Spotify, wherever you listen to, to music. Give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this on. Hopefully you're having a great day. Hopefully you paused this conversation, went and listened to the record, and then finished it. Because um, a lot of things will make a lot more sense because, of course, Jeff's heard the record, and I had heard the record before this chat. So I uh, love you guys very, very much, each and every one of you guys. Thank you so much for supporting what I do and making this such a great thing. Uh, I love being able to put something out into the world that the world literally listens to every week. Um, knowing that when I push send on this, it goes to every country with power in the world. And it is downloaded in, from what I can tell, almost every country with power in the world. And that is insane. From the deepest depths and the farthest reaches of the planet, people are listening to this show. And that is incredible. Just from my little studio here, the fact that you have that much reach is something I do not take lightly. And I appreciate each and every one of you. So wherever you're at in this great spinning rock, have a fantastic week. I love you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Be nice to somebody. Stick up for yourselves. Do something nice. Do something meaningful. And uh, we'll see you next week. As always, we'll see you on the radio.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.